figure out your communication in the off season when you're fed. Yes. That's my recommendation. <laughs> yes. When you're That's fed, well rested. When you're fed and have energy. You want you want to introduce me to the people? No. Yeah. We'll already know who the fuck who you is are. this? <laughs> who is this asshole? Who is this? We pulled this stranger off the street to join our podcast for a <laughs> No, so what happened is like 10 years ago, I fed him. And like when you feed stray cats, you just own cats now. Like that was the thing is like I fed him and he just it's kind of like a fungus. Massive. He just Let's stuck around. <laughs> but yeah, before we like dive in, um, how was y'all's week? going <laughs> great Laura yeah, and Meg are like yep that that good huh mm. I never realized how shit my immune system was until I started to be in a gym like working there this is like the fourth time I've gotten sick since. you do get sick a lot yeah. yeah well that's because everybody's an asshole and comes in sick as shit and it's just like <laughs> let me touch this and be in your personal space so it's like okay that's how we got that's how we got covid the first time is there was a guy in a gym doing deadlifts hacking up a lung yeah, oh you can tell right away like oh, i don't yes. i don't have covid but like i just have like a cold yeah like, you can tell right away when somebody has covid you can just hear that like wrong oh, yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. you should go mm-hmm. do an asshole <laughs> okay so laura's sick meg how are you doing holding up okay so not sick but doing good just stressed busy but Mm -hmm. we're making it work flying out on sunday for the the uck so Mm -hmm. gonna head out there i don't think chip is gonna come so he has to go to the doodle farm i'm sad but it's all good i don't want to go (laughs) i know he loves going to heather and matt's though they have like four four or five other doodles so he's just like part of the pack he loves it. yeah a little doodle farm it's cute <laughs> that is really sweet that's yeah. cute um i'm okay like yeah. i'm feeling like under recovered like i'm not like thriving but like since i, I saw did, that like, on your story yeah i did like obviously a lot of back-to-back travel and like my first week back on my programming my body was just like not fully recovering so i'm taking a uh, rest day right now and honestly i'm okay with it like I don't want to push when I need to pull back because that's just yeah. going to either exacerbate um, like the the recovery issue or God forbid get me injured and I just got recovered. The the lat's doing good, the intercostal's healed. So I'm just like, listen, just chill. Just chill. Take a load off. Yeah. What's I up with you, dude? <laughs> so I, was gonna, I was wondering if someone was going to ask me how my week was. Yeah, how was yours? How was your week, Chuck? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, good <laughs> it's a typical, typical guy good the emotional intelligence of dryerland <laughs> you know what we really want to know eric what is it like living with ashley when she's constantly making these elaborate like cupcakes cookies and cakes and like how is it being a professional taste tester so that's a good question uh, i like that kicking us off yeah. <laughs> i only that only happens, it's funny, uh, when I am underweight. <laughs> so, or when it's cold. Or when it's cold. Mm-hmm. Or when it's cold. Yeah, there was a while where I started to, to trend up a little bit, right? Oh, no. It wasn't muscle. And she was like, no more. <laughs> yeah, no more. I was like, oof, that's not a good look. But no, that started <laughs> like when we were first married in Athens, mm-hmm. Ohio. 
when we were back in college and we didn't have like really good heat because we we were in a house, but it was like the house was subdivided into four different mini apartments. And so we only had like a heater and it wasn't a really good heater. And so whenever we wanted to feel warm, I would bake because we had a gas oven. And because our apartment was like 600 square feet, maybe even smaller, when I baked, it heated up the entire place. And so like Uma would be by the stove. I'd be baking cookies or brownies and you know, our apartment was, would be warm. And so we would didn't have to spend a lot of money on utilities. Yeah, it was a pretty sweet deal. That's smart, yeah. It's warm, it smells good, you get food. What more could you want? Yeah. I never left after that. <laughs> yeah, but Eric and I have been together for almost 10 years. We'll be, set, be uh, celebrating a decade in January of mm-hmm. like dating and whatnot. So yeah. we've definitely so learned. Yeah. Did you decide on a trip? You had mentioned that. I don't. We're he wants to do Asheville because it's cabin, which I get. That'd be fun. But like, I'm a, I'm I'm like Meg. I like I like warm places. Like below fifty degrees, and I'm like, okay, this is miserable. Um, <laughs> we're still working on it. We'll I'll like we'll likely end up doing Asheville because I'll probably end up caving. Yeah, I mean, we would have to go so far south for it to actually be any warmer than it yeah. would be just here. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true, and. You don't like the cold, but you also don't like driving. Yeah, I just get sick of driving. Because, like, when we drive to Ohio, it's, like, 12, 13 hours. And so it's just, that's just a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to be in the car. I like driving. I love driving. Oh, I hate it. Um, I'm dreading that trip up in December. Mm -hmm. Could you get to see us? I know. I'm going to make a little pit stop. A little pit stop in Charleston. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to drive more than an hour. I'm getting on a plane. Yeah honestly that's smart i think the total is like 13 and a half from tampa to west virginia why are you choosing to drive you don't want to fly i have to drive i have to bring my car back home okay yeah (laughs) i wish i could fly my car i mean you could but i wish i could just sell my car but whatever don't want to get into a fight with my parents (laughs) so they're gonna take the car (laughs) For sure. That's smart. That's smart. But yeah, if you guys want to kick it off, like talking about like, are you asking us any questions about like how we, we work as a dynamic or whatever? Cause I know a lot of people struggle with their partners, either not supporting their bodybuilding goals or even vice versa partners, not understanding how to be supportive of this, <laughs> this sport that we're in that makes us sometimes most times kind of crazy. Well, I think the first one is you know, Ash, you weren't always a bodybuilder and you guys started dating when you weren't into bodybuilding. So how did you guys like deal with that? Like you going to him and saying like, Hey, I think I'm going to try this out. Like how was that initial conversation? Yeah. So it was interesting because like, I'd always been into fitness and I'll let Eric tell his side of the story when it comes to like how he got into fitness. So I don't think it was too much of a shock for him to like knowing my kind of compulsive nature to want to like go to another extreme when it comes to adopting bodybuilding. Um, the biggest, I think hurdle that we had in bodybuilding was less of bodybuilding and more when I wanted to use PEDs because Mm -hmm. in full transparency, I am going to own this because, because it's honest. I was a fucking child about it. I threw a a temper tantrum. I like throw my shit away because he was like, 
obviously having reservations about PEDs and concerns and I didn't want to hear it. So I literally threw all of my shit away. I threw the biggest temper tantrum and I just pouted. Right. And of course, like when you do such a extreme ultimatum like that, like there's no compromise. And so like he essentially like relented and like pulled all of my shit out of the garbage. It's like, I will support you in this, but I need you to be smart. I need you to be safe. I need you to take care of my wife. And that for me, like looking back on it, that was a few years ago. And like, I regret how that unfolded because of just, again, the, the pressure and the lack of compromise and quite frankly, just the childlike behavior that I exhibited, like looking back on that, I'm like, damn it. I could have done that so much better to where it wouldn't have driven such a wedge in our marriage, especially. Yeah. 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 That was, uh, that was definitely tough. Mm -hmm. Um, Although actually her starting bodybuilding was like not a change at all. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I actually started working out when I started dating mm. Ashley. Like I had worked out before, so I knew what exercise was, mm-hmm. but I had never done it on a consistent basis. And I knew she went to the gym like four or five times a week. So I was like, no, I have to. <laughs> Uh, and that was 10 years ago and I've worked out for the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely she was already tracking her food. Mm-hmm. She was already going to the gym five, six times a week. Mm-hmm. So really the only real change was that now she was going to have a coach mm-hmm. who was going to tell her how to do those things, mm-hmm. which was great because she was way overdoing everything. <laughs> So getting a coach who was a little bit more chill, they'd be like, hold on, maybe you don't need to be in the gym 15 hours a week. Yeah. Um, that was good. Gotcha. So I'm going to kind of yeah. pivot that into the next topic. So were you guys together when she was going through like eating disorders and things like that? Okay. I thought so. Yeah. So then this comes about of wanting to get into competitive bodybuilding, not just like focusing on bodybuilding as in, in general speaking were you reluctant of her wanting to participate in that due to the extremes of the sport and due to what you had already been through with her knowing the like level of leanness she'd have to get and the emotional and mental health um impact that has had already taken place oh for sure for sure um but when she was getting into bodybuilding she was still struggling with her eating disorder Mm -hmm. So I was definitely concerned, but to be frank, I was kind of like, it can't make it worse, you know? Um, and just like with the coach. Great I- thought, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the, where I was when I started bodybuilding was already like so restricted where at least for me having a coach and staying accountable to, to them, like that was actually helpful for me because that's how it, yeah, it was less of a done out of self hatred and more like, Oh, well maybe, maybe I can be an athlete. So for me, it was positive, even though definitely in most cases, bodybuilding tends to exacerbate the underlying issue of eating disorders. Absolutely. Yeah. It definitely didn't help her mentally for a long time, Mm -hmm. but she was eating more. Yeah. Right. Because you you need to put on muscle. I think most people, that had an eating disorder prior to bodybuilding, not saying that bodybuilding doesn't give many people eating disorder issues because definitely does, um, come into bodybuilding still disordered 
And in a sense, it does end up helping them for the level of structure that it's requiring to have not solely a season of getting lean. Like it also has a, soul, a, a season of building and whatnot and having to have regimency for the opposite direction. That was what helped me. I was fully still in an eating disorder when I came about bodybuilding and it was more like, Hey, I'm already doing all the things and now it's accepted here. So like, might as well. Might as well get a trophy for it. Right. <laughs> Let's do it. That's why my first prep was two weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any, like, because of the eating disorder, did you have like a discussion together, like any like red flags that would like pop up during prep or anything like that to help? Well, for you to help her kind of through. That would have been a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been a great idea. I, had, I had no idea what bodybuilding even yeah. that uh, beyond like, that's what Arnold Schwarzenegger did. No idea what it even was. Mm-hmm. Right. So I hadn't, I mean, like, yeah, you get up on shows and I guess that you're lean, but I wasn't acquainted with the fact that there would be prep cycles and building cycles and peaking mm-hmm. and everything like that. I, so I was like, yeah, sure. Go for it. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Right. Yeah. I think something good that would be good to discuss is how did you feel about me working with a male coach and how do you feel about me essentially having my ass on a jumbotron or sending like, you know, doing check-in photos and putting them on Instagram. Like, how does that make you feel knowing that like there are other people, other males, especially like looking at my ass, like talk about that. Cause I know a lot of people struggle with that, both male and female side. Yeah. So um, definitely there were times where I was like a little hesitant about it. I'm like, why, why were you doing this? Um, but I, I realized that there was, there was a line. Right. And it actually has nothing to do with how little clothing your partner is wearing. For me, the line is, are you intentionally seeking the attention of the opposite sex? And are you thriving off that attention? Mm-hmm. So you could be in a, a, a jacket and jeans, right? And if you're going out there intentionally looking for another man's approval, mm-hmm. that that would definitely hurt me. Um, but a bikini, because you're proud of what you did. I mean, it's, it's your sport, right? Yeah. Well, it's my sport. And it's also in, in some part, how I promote my business and stuff like that too. It's like a part of like my whole, my whole thing. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. It's <laughs> also like a financial thing too. So what would you say to people who maybe have reservations about that? Oh, um, talk about it right as as a person who wants to go up and get on stage understand why you're doing it have a really good grasp on why you're doing it or why you're posting those photos um and as a partner be willing to listen to that mm-hmm. right and uh, honestly i think at the end of the day most people's insecurities about those kinds of things have to do with how they feel about secure about their relationship right um in general mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of like the insecurities that we worked through, it was like always the intention of why we were doing what we were doing and having those hard conversations. But really that starts off with like making sure that you know how to give and receive love and attention Mm -hmm. and affection. And sometimes a lot of partners, especially new ones are still working that out. And I know it's super cheesy to read the five love languages and, or take the quiz or whatever, but we found that to be really impactful because like we found out like how the other person feels loved and receives love. And so 
one of our major struggles first starting off, especially when we did long distance, is Eric feels very loved with physical affection, right? Like not even just sexual affection, like physical affection, like, you know, just like, you know, rubbing behind his <laughs> neck or giving him a hug or something like that. And so that was really difficult when we did long distance. And my, you know, the way I feel loved is doing like acts of service. And so obviously if he's not able to do things for me or with me, like that's also really, really difficult. So as we kind of grew into the relationship, our love languages changed because they had to, but obviously when we moved in together and got married, like our love was able to, to shift and to grow because we were able to give and receive appropriately to where now it's like, you know, we don't, I'm sure we have some insecurities because we're human, but like, it's not insecurities within the relationship. It's more just like insecurities with ourselves, mm -hmm. which can impact the relationship to some extent. But sure. again, that's like, like talking through things is, is really important as cliche as that is about communication. It's learning how to communicate properly. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's smart. I think, you know, you have to set boundaries with yourself and with your partner too, when it comes to this sport, um, because I mean, it is, it's a physique sport. It's that's what we're judged on, on stage. So um, definitely having those open conversations is vital mm -hmm. for it. Um, what was the other thing? Laura, do you have anything? I like just lost that. No, I was going to say, so the, the thought of competing, has that ever kind of crossed your mind just to have that as like, a experience. <laughs> I'm trying to get <laughs> has, has it ever been mentioned to me? Literally, Trent O's, man. Only about a thousand times, but I would never do it. Um, no, no. I think for me, if I was engrossed in the sport, like if Ashley wasn't my wife and she was my close friend, I would actually probably consider competing, but she's my wife. Mm -hmm. so if I got halfway through a prep and was like I don't really want to do this I don't have the option of bailing out yeah right I would lose the respect of my partner mm -hmm. if uh if I bailed out so <laughs> yeah and like it for me because of how because he, he people bodybuild differently right but the thing is, is, he doesn't know how you Laura or you make bodybuild he see how I bodybuild mm -hmm. right and so for him, the that expectation would be, well, he ha would have to bodybuild how I bodybuild and like how I hit my protocols and my programming. And like for him, he doesn't have the the want or the why to, to, to follow through on that. So like I said, <laughs> if he did like commit to a prep in my eyes, okay, well, guess what? There's no backing out unless you had like a serious health issue or your body wasn't responding. Like, yeah. you know, actual reasons to pull out a prep. But for me, if it would be mental weakness, for me, it's like, what like it's just my brain doesn't understand that i'd be like what the fuck do you mean like this is what contest prep is it's hard and if you quit because it was hard i'd be like yeah and i mean i do like i do hard things mm -hmm. but i do them because i'm interested in them right and the minute i stop being interested in something i pick up and i move on to something else i find something else that's more interesting to me yeah. so if if that was my point with bodybuilding um i'd be like I'm I'm ready to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. Oh, sorry. Okay. Like the dynamic, because like you, you lift and everything, and like Tar lifts, but like you guys don't compete. Tar's a coach though. 
but then Laura, like you have Josh who competes. So it's kind of cool to like see like the three different. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I never really thought about that. The fact that Tark yeah. coaches, but has never, yeah. he's never competed. No, he never will. That's <laughs> not got to cross his mind. He does like Muay Thai. Like he likes lifting. He doesn't coach. He doesn't bodybuild. Tar coaches, but doesn't bodybuild. But Josh competes and he's a coach too. So it's literally yeah. like the spectrum. Like... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it's it's definitely challenging um, being on that avenue as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially because you, you coach Josh and to some extent I coach Eric, you know, and obviously it's more like competitive versus lifestyle. And of course there are different dynamics with that. But like, Laura, why don't you talk about like how it is to, to coach your significant other? And I can also touch on that. And then I know May can touch on that because Tar does makes programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean- Initially, when he first brought it up, I was like, no, no, not doing it. And like, it was even a conversation about him coaching me. And I, I was against it totally because I know how I am with coaching and whatnot. And like, I am not a good client and I'll own that. I am not a good client. I am very much wanting to be involved in decision-making. And I'm, I wish that I had that, like, I'm just going to listen. <laughs> just, I don't have that. He does though. And um, we've been able to communicate a lot as to like what works for him, what doesn't, because this is his third prep now um, just from like past experiences and things like that. And it's, it's been helpful for me learning from a coaching stance, but then there's also been things that like I've applied with either clients or myself or whatever else that he hasn't done before that has been really helpful for him to have a more successful prep. Um, I felt uncertain of my ability to get him from, you know, start to finish initially. And then having the experience has been not only good for him to go through, but for me to go through because it has shown me that I can, um, and it's also taught me too that more than anything, it's not to be afraid to experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, when it has come to my own preps and prepping myself and things like that, I've definitely overdone things that is now for in retrospect seeing been detrimental to what I've looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that like type A. And I know that everybody that competes is kind of like that, that wants to just gas, 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 gas. And mm-hmm seeing from another point of view that is a little bit of a different personality because Josh isn't the type A and he isn't the like obsessive compulsive like I am mm-hmm. seeing the better result from not having as you know overkill as I've done in the past and kind of collaborating about that has been good and it's been good showing me different um coaching techniques as like a collaborative effort with a client as opposed to, you know, being more so the one and the only in the driver's seat. I think that especially with a client that is more experienced, it's a significantly better experience to do it as a collaboration. Absolutely. And Meg, how do you handle working with Tar as like your training coach? Like how does that like mentally feel, especially when like he is trying to make decisions in your best interest, even though like, like, for example, the, the, the thing that comes to mind is the barbell RDLs, right? Like your bread and butter. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really obnoxious with that. I smile a lot because of it, because it does make me happy that he's like an active part mm-hmm. of bringing me back to the stage. It really does. So sorry. I get like <laughs> really <laughs> happy about it. But... <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> 
so I I'm coached by Cameron Cheek, just to clar- clarify that. Um, he does my nutrition. Um, he tells me like my cardio, my drug protocol, supplements, all that stuff. He deals with that. Tar is, yeah, he took over my training and I've been very stubborn with my training. I don't let anybody touch it because I love it so much. It's very, like, I feel like I'm very good at training. Like, that's just something that I, that's why I got into bodybuilding, you know, is the training aspect, not really the competing. Like, honestly, I could care less about competing, but obviously I'm going to do it. But um, I do love the training aspect. And we were just like talking and it's like, what is, how can I take it to the next level? And I was like, I just need to let go completely of my training. And he knew what I needed to do. And like, he would tell me things like, oh, maybe you should try like backing off of the barbell RDL because we were trying to bring down my upper body. I'm like, why do I still look like a WPD competitor? And he was like, the only thing could be the heavy RDL. So when he originally made my training, he sent it over to me. I opened it up and I saw that there was no barbell RDL. I was like, having like a stroke like I was freaking out and I text him I'm like no (laughs) we need this in there and I see him like he's on my google sheet and I am too and I'm like typing it I'm like it could go right here (laughs) and so he put it in but obviously it's like dead last in the in the training day and I have to lower down the volume whatever but it's in there so that's all that matters but he is honestly a freaking blessing like obviously there's a five hour time difference I'm training like today I'm going to be training around like three but every single working set I send him the video he gives me the form corrections he tells me like I'll literally I'm telling him like I'm like what weight do I use and he'll tell me like for leg press I was like oh I think I'm going to do seven plates per side for my top set he's like it's one set do eight plates and a quarter Mm -hmm. and then I do it like I get in my head like that, you know? So he's, he pushes me and he's 4,500 miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously being over there for the next three weeks is going to be really helpful, but mm-hmm. it's definitely been what I needed because I've been so stuck in my ways with training. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's only been one week, but it's honestly helped me like level up so much already. So I'm excited to grow my butt. Absolutely. That actually brought up a really good question. Um, and I think it'd be good to like provide some tips for the listeners. Like, and I'll, I'll start with Eric. How can you best support as a non-bodybuilder, your bodybuilding partner, spouse? Like, what are some things that you have learned from our relationship, from our dynamic that you think other people would benefit to hear from? Uh, that's a good question. So, so I mean, a number one, um, with any relationship, the thing that you're really looking for is to have the same priorities, right? Um, so that's all it really is, right? Like what what how do you determine what your priorities are? It's what you spend your time, your money, and your energy on, right? So when you're in a relation when you're a single person, you get all your time, all your money, and all your energy to yourself and you get to pick how they work, right? Where they go. When you're in a relationship, your time, your energy, and your money anymore aren't yours, right? To some extent, there's always going to be some sharing, probably a lot of sharing between those two people. So you have one pool. You just make sure enough time, energy, and money goes towards it and make sure you're comfortable with how much time, energy, and money goes towards it, right? 
So you have that conversation. You say like, Hey, listen, like if you need to be in the gym four or five days a week, I'll take care of whatever's outside, or maybe I'll go with you. Right. And you'd spend that time. Right. Or, you know, maybe this means that we're not going to be able to do a triathlon together. I don't know. I don't know what people are doing. <laughs> you're not going to have that energy. Right. And then you get comfortable with how much you're going to have to budget for this thing. So you make sure there's the money for it. And that's all it really is. Right. But also the, you say that so easily, like, oh yeah, it's just like how you prioritize and how you live your life. But I think a big component, since those are like four major topics and areas of concern is how you talk about them, hmm. how you speak to the other person, because these can bring up some pretty heated arguments and you want to like share your side without necessarily hearing and receiving their side. And so rather than going at it from like a battle standpoint, like bring down the walls and be like, Hey, this is what's important to me and why what's important to you and why, and come to an agreement and an understanding, at least being willing to see the other person's point of view. So that way you can reach a compromise. And yeah. like something that really helped our relationship is we don't fight anymore, right? Like there are definitely times where we lose our temper, but it's usually due to an outside factor, but we don't fight. It's if something is upsetting me or annoying me, it's like, Hey, sweetheart, it would make me feel really loved if you did X instead of Y. Mm -hmm. instead of being like hey you're doing why it's pissing me the fuck off stop it right because i've said that before right and do does anything change no the only thing that changes is he gets pissed because i'm yelling at him which rightly so right but it's more like hey this would make me feel loved if you did this right and his actions mm -hmm. change a lot quicker because of how i'm portraying what's important to me and what i value yeah yeah that's really important i think and i think when it comes to relationships and competing, you have to have these like deep conversations with people, like people with your significant other, sorry, um, about like what to expect, even if it is your first prep. I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to go on date nights to like this restaurant and that restaurant. You may not have the energy to go on like, I don't know, run a triathlon, like you said, or like, you know, just do things that you normally do in like the off-season setting but you're all you also can't like bring your partner down with you you know like you can't say like um like I can't do this so you can't either like you're choosing to put yourself through prep um obviously have that conversation for your partner to support you throughout it but you can't make them feel like you know, they have to be doing it a certain way as well. Um, I think that's really important too. Yeah. I think it's a really significant hurdle. Yeah. You got to You got to cross over. If you got one bodybuilder and one not a bodybuilder is mm -hmm. you have to go to a restaurant and have one person order a meal. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, it's not like you got to live every date like that, right? Like you can figure things out that you can both enjoy. Right. But, um, being able to sit with the awkwardness of one person eating and one person having like a diet coke because they've got their meal prep in the car yeah um, i think is a useful exercise mm -hmm. yeah 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 and i think that's, it, that's sorry, sorry laura i was gonna say it's it's interesting even on the other end of the spectrum when the person like for example josh and i i compete he competes he's deep in prep i'm like deep in off season now and even having been in the reverse situation not long ago mm -hmm. it's still hard even as the 
as the spouse of like wanting to do things, wanting to have that person engage with you and, and whatever the case may be. And honestly, for a short term kind of feeling like you don't have a relationship because you're not as present with one another. Yeah. Um, this is the first I've ever experienced that because I've never dated somebody who competes as well. I've always been the only one, which has also been an eye-opening experience because I've never been on the other side to see what that feels like on the receiving side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely can say it would make how in the future I would handle things different um, because it is very, it, it is hard. It almost does give you a feeling of loneliness because you're not the norm that you're used to not that you're being neglected or whatnot but what you are used to receiving in both attention affection energy all of it is not the same yeah and and i mean that makes complete sense that it feels that way sometimes because i mean what i was saying earlier right it's not like nobody's really upset because you're not going out to dinner together you're upset because you're not spending that time on the relationship that time present even yeah, if the time else. is just there, you're less present. Mm-hmm. Just because energy is not there, your your mental capacity is not there. And it is one of those things you don't recognize until you actually go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also on the competitors side too, like you have like I think that your maturity as you compete for a few years, it does grow. Like I think, you know, in the past, I probably would have been like, like, you can't go out, we can't go out and eat, I'm not going to go there and sit and have like, my meal prep or my diet coke, like, I have to be 100% all focused on my prep. But now it's like, if Tar wants to go out to eat, like, I'm going to go out with him, I'm going to sit there, I'm going to be present in the moment, I'm going to talk I'm going to have a Diet Coke or I'm going to have water or coffee. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's also a sign of maturing in this sport too. Um, and realizing like you are the one in control of when you're in prep, essentially, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think communication and maturity are huge in this sport with relationships for sure. Yeah. And you would be amazed if you actually, if you, if you, if you mature like that, right. Once you reach that level of maturity and you, you know, chill out and you can go and have that cup of coffee or, or whatever it was nice spend, yeah <laughs> not spend a hundred percent of all your resources on bodybuilding I mean when you got to that point Meg did you feel like you were a better or a worse bodybuilder do you feel like your gains suffered at all like no I felt like I was way better because I was like shit like I'm doing this for the right reason now like it's because I'm truly passionate about it like no one's holding a gun to my head telling me I have to prep or anything like i fully I want to do this and it's a hundred percent on me. So I can't let my, my partner, my family, my friends suffer in the meantime, obviously like, okay, two, three weeks out, my energy is going to be low. My temper may be a little short, but like at the same time, you have to kind of check yourself occasionally and be like, listen, Meg, like (laughs) check yourself before you wreck yourself or your relationships. Cause like, what is losing a relationship over prep? Like, yikes so you have to make sure that that is solid prior I think and even now because I obviously came to that realization especially with Austin as my coach but Mm -hmm. I actually push for us to have more date nights out of the house because also like we both work from home right so like his office is like woo and my like little standing desk is woo so it's like (laughs) I push us to go out of the house I'm like hey there's a 
a little bar called stone's throw that we can walk to. Right. So I get outside, I go on a walk, I get some steps in and maybe he orders like a grilled chicken sandwich. I get a diet Coke with lime that matters, but like, I want to get out of the house and have like, you know, happy hour with my husband, not my coworker slash, you know, office space mate slash, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the fuck during work, the day. Work proximity. Associate. Yeah. Work proximity associate. So like, I actually push for us to get out of the house for that time as husband and wife. So we're not just like parked in front of the TV with like our meal preps or whatever. Like, no, we actually get out and we do like husband and wife things. And obviously like, even though I'm dieting, but still like in an off season diet setting, like a diet Coke is fine. I don't need to like order and take a free meal all the time. Cause it's just not that important to me. Like food is not the important thing. It's who I either I am sharing the meal with, if I do want an untracked meal or at least the time. And so making sure you are fully present, not being on your phone, like phone doesn't need to eat first. Like you don't need to show people like what you're getting from Instagram. Like I know I've done that a few times, but like, whenever I do that, it's like losing time with him. And that's like, Oh, that doesn't make me feel very good. So if you're going to be present, be present. I try to get a bite in before she can. Yeah, literally. They're like, best <laughs> oh, up the shot. They're like, quick, like, oh, like, it's, oh so, it's not perfect. So sorry. Yes, you can't post it. Jackass. <laughs> I think that's important, though. That's something like if Tara and I go out to a restaurant, like the phone is down, it's away. Like we're not touching our phones. It's just not, phones aren't allowed at the table, essentially. So Um, I think that's huge. I think um, also realizing that there's more to date night or whatever than just food. Mm -hmm. Like you can go out, you can go see a movie, you can go walk around outside. Like there's so many more options. I feel like people are so programmed to like, oh, it's date night. We have to pick a restaurant. We have to get a dessert. Like there's other ways to kind of connect. And I think that is like a big like pivoting factor in a lot of relationships realizing like oh we should probably spend quality time together not just stuffing our faces at the dinner table but well it's just what I think I think that can be helpful too for somebody that is maybe deep in prep and like really struggling being food 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 focused um you know there are some people that being surrounded by it and other people enjoying it and whatever, like that can be triggering and that can throw them off and whatnot. Um, I can say like for myself, that's never been something I've cared about because I'm not a foodie in general, but people that are, that is a huge hurdle for them to be able to get over. So being able to do other things is, is helpful. Like just being able to say, like, I'm not fully comfortable doing this. I don't fully trust myself. If we do, um, can we do something else? And and being able to voice that to your partner, I think should be acceptable too. If they want to support you and see you be successful. Yeah, definitely. Um, goes back to the communication thing, you know, um, talking to your partner about like, hey, like being around this type of food or something, this is how I feel. And like just having them present during that moment can actually help, but can also stress you out. So you can just make sure that you're talking about that too and open about how you're feeling, um, not keeping that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's a million different ways that you can handle all of this, right? Like the the only hard and fast rule is that you just got to remember that this is the person that you love mm-hmm. and you try to do the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like it's not easy, but it is simple. Yeah. And hopefully short term. Mm-hmm. I think that when it becomes the like the never ending prep, mm-hmm. 
there's only so far that someone's going to be able to handle that. Yeah, I wonder what you meant by short term. I've been here for 10 years. No, 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 no. I mean, like an actual like season of being in prep, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, right. like if you're that person that's like, I'm going to just extend it for the entire year. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. I have a question. So, Ash, mm-hmm. you've placed last before. I have too. <laughs> um, yeah, especially like when it was like one or two people in my class and I got second. Yeah, yeah I got last. How in the beginning stages, like when you didn't really fully understand the sport of bodybuilding, not asking Ash, sorry. Um, how did you handle her losing? Like, because you do love her and you're like, oh, you're the best. Like, how did that like, was it hard for you to understand like why she got last or oh, no I was under no premonition that she was the best yeah okay yeah no, no absolutely not yeah. right I mean you know one of the things she had to do as a partner was be honest yeah right and you know you I saw her and I saw the other girls on stage and I'm like she's too small yeah <laughs> she's she's better conditioned than some of them but she's she, I think you were actually a little too hard especially that second show oh my god yeah yeah you came in way too hard um yeah. so it was like that's what it is. But yeah. also I didn't have a temper tantrum because honestly, it was my first year ever competing. I was just thrilled to be on stage because I finally like did the thing that I set out to do. So I was more just happy and proud that like I didn't pull out of prep because like I knew going in, I wasn't going to win. Like I was like, hey, I'm just trying this out. See if I like it. See if I get hit get, uh, bit by the bug. There we go. Yeah, exactly. So like, even though I got like, you know, I got fourth in a bigger open class. That was pretty cool. But like, I never won or got first place other than like true novice where I was the only bitch in that class, you know, so I got first and last. So for me, like I never once had a temper tantrum. Cause like, I was just happy to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> fuck, I did the thing. Yeah. It was, it was more like waiting for her at the end of like a marathon or something Yeah. than it was like watching her bare knuckle box somebody yeah. I don't know <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's hard for partners and for our family you know like when my family was there for my pro debut and like I personally thought I looked amazing like that was the best I've ever looked in my entire life so mm-hmm. and I had people in my corner saying oh you're gonna place like top five or you're gonna win your pro debut or something and then I come legit 16th place like third call outs like that was really hard for my family to understand yeah because they saw how much like effort and how much like passion I put in and poured into that prep Mm -hmm. so sometimes it is hard for your significant other to like understand um I mean bodybuilding politics whatever you want to call it you know it's hard to understand when like your person that you do deeply care about and you see firsthand how much effort they put into this thing, maybe not get rewarded in the way that you think, but yeah, just comes down to the sport of bodybuilding. I mean, that actually reminds me of a conversation that I had with his family because his family went to my sh- show. Yeah. My family didn't. Mm-hmm. And his mom was, she's a very supportive, very loving person. And she's like, Oh, you're going to blow all those girls on stage away. And I looked at her and I was like, I understand what you are saying, but mm-hmm. please don't discredit those other athletes hard work. Like we, we, we're all showing up on show day. Like they worked just as hard, if not more, depending upon their situation. Like it's my second show of my first season. And I'm more just doing it because I wanted my family to be there because my first actual show, we had evacuated with our cats because of a hurricane. Right. So like 
my first show was just a whirlwind of literally a whirlwind. So I only did the second show because I wanted more people to be there than I knew and loved. But for me, it was like getting them to understand that, hey, all those athletes worked hard. I just wanted my family to see me on stage. I wanted to share something that meant a lot to me with people that mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This next round oh. I will be different. <laughs> it's going to be so different. <laughs> this next round will be different. This yes. is the more competitive round. So yeah. um, we'll see. Yes. Great to see you. He's going to yeah. get some mace just in case I like go feral. <laughs> For sure. I I feel the same way about like me stepping on stage next year. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm I've changed like so much this year and preparation for that so I know it's going to be tough so but I think that's also where you have to like talk to your partner about like okay if I do need a moment to myself after even placing good or placing bad like for them to like respect that give you your space is huge because okay emotions will be high like if you lose and you're depleted you're gonna cry Mm -hmm. and like it's just you have to you know process it how you need to and hopefully your partner will understand that but I think that talking about it before it happens and just preparing them you know I mean we're not really in control of our emotions when we're that deep into prep so I wanted I was still devastated (laughs) honestly yeah yeah god yeah I remember um I wrestled all throughout like middle school and elementary school um and I remember when I went to tournaments and I got into like the more competitive levels and stuff and I started losing I would cry after the matches I mean this is a little third grade Eric but still (laughs) uh you know there's something two years ago what yeah that's right (laughs) weird (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's something there's something very very tough about being beat at a very personal sport when it's not a team sport when it's just you right there's something that's tough about that Mm -hmm. agreed absolutely absolutely ladies this was a good pod any final thoughts or questions that you want to address well i i do want you i know you i think you've shared it on this podcast ash before what does Eric tell you during training when you need to be pushed? Yeah, he'll, why don't you take it away? Because you say some bangers. No, no that's just <laughs> poison. I'm whispering in her ear about her, all of her worst fears. She asks me to do this. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, love yeah, I fully For a know. long time, I was like, yeah, you got it. Let's go. Come on. She's like, don't be a fucking little bitch cheerleader. <laughs> Like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> sweet little blonde church girl I married. I know. Now he has this black iron bitch, but he'll literally be in my ear. He'd be like, did you come here to bitch out? Is this what second place looks like to you? Like, he'll literally just be in my ear. Granted, I can hear some of it, but some of it's just like droned out from men chanting because I listen to weird shit when I train. But like, he definitely like has pushed on like my my pain button when it comes to like the expectation I have. And honestly, like you do bring out the best in my training yeah. because like, let's be honest, there are some training sessions where you feel like a bad bitch and anything that anyone says, like could not motivate you further. There are some days where you're dragging ass and you're like, you need someone to yeah, wake so, you up. So I'll be like, I guess you're just going to die a failure then. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? Our entertainment. I hope somebody observes this taking place. Like, it's not abuse. <laughs> 
<laughs> as they're draining and is like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> but yeah, but like then like they'll look at us and be like, oh, if anything, she beats him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not that big of a no, no, she, she told me to. She told me. It's okay. <laughs> I told him it's, it's a hall pass, right? I'm sorry. Like, I'm killing them over here. <laughs> Smalls. Yeah, I appreciate you encouraging me and being a good training partner. Because it took us a long time to figure out how to be good training partners. It really did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try my best, kid. Yeah, you do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>